Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist, and now a health coach based in Arkansas, who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life, and today I'm introducing you to someone where you've never heard a story quite like this. He's Fred Rutman of Toronto, Canada, and he's known as Repeatedly Dead Fred, Mm -hmm. and he's the author of The Summer I Died 20 Times. He also has a little bit of an intermittent fasting journey within this story, and you'll get to meet him right after this. Attention shoppers, woo! I just went to the soft grand opening of the Akles Carpet One, uh, kind of the, it's not the new location, but it's, you know, new and improved. And it's the one on Maumelle Boulevard, for those of you in central Arkansas, that's technically, you know, North Little Rock, but we call it Maumelle. I went recently and yowza. See, I've been since the store has kind of revealed some new pieces to it. But now the entire store has been redone. You can go and look at the dream kitchen of your lives because, yeah, Akel's Carpet One is doing everything just about from ceiling to floor. So that means they're doing all the tile, all the backsplash, the showers. Uh huh. They even have closet ideas. The kitchen gave me such kitchen envy. And I just built a house. I'm like, dang it. Why didn't I know about that, that, and that? Um, of course, the flooring. People are crazy about the luxury vinyl plank, best prices, because here's the deal. Akel's Carpet One beats the big box store prices. You can't say that about anybody else. That's why people drive in from all over. Bring your truck from Memphis, from Dallas, wherever, because you're going to get the best prices right here. It's Akel's Carpet One. Link in the show notes. You need to be shopping there. Akel's Carpet One. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. I love our intermittent fasting stories, and today, Fred, you have an impressive story, and it includes, well, you've got as many lives as a cat. So uh, tell my listeners how you got to where you are and how you've beat death in the face several times. Well, uh, my name's Fred Rutman, and um, I have earned the nickname Repeatedly Dead Fred, and uh, because that's what's happened to me. Uh, in the summer of 2009, I started having these incidents, which the doctors initially thought were me passing out. And every time I would pass out, or for the most part, almost every time, I ended up hitting my head and sustaining a concussion. And uh, in the summer of 2009, I was clinically dead 20 times. 20 times? 20. That's more than a cat. Yeah, I'm kicking those cats' butts. Yeah. I mean, they're not even in my league. So so did you have syncope? Is that what doctors thought you had, that feigning? Yeah, they thought it was possibly syncope. Um, and it turns out it wasn't, um, if you want the spoiler up front. No, um, no, no, no. You can wait. You can wait. I just didn't know when you said the feigning and, you know, I think I'm a doctor. So mm-hmm. in my, you know, I'm 12 years away from a medical degree, but I know about syncope <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I've heard that term. So it sounded like it fit it. And from my Google search, I thought that's what it was. I didn't Google search. Yeah. I'm just saying I, I knew that. 
So generally, syncopes are what happens to those people who faint uh, when they see blood or a broken bone or something oh, yeah. triggers yeah, yeah, yeah. them. Yes. And your your vagus nerve uh, does an overreaction. Uh, yes. Your vagus nerve is your sort of super highway of right. all the nerve systems in your in your right. body, and it uh, very quickly dilates your blood vessels and arteries, so your blood pressure goes, uh, and uh, and you often faint. Uh, but uh, mine was slightly different because in the uh, those types of syncopes, your heart keeps beating. And in my adventures, my heart didn't keep beating, which is how I ended up dead. I guess you were with a crowd of people who owned defibrillators to get your heart started. I mean, how did you how did you have the Lazarus experience every time? They're not exactly sure. You, we know now that your your body has all sorts of backup systems. Our yeah. bodies are very very smart. My backup systems apparently eventually kicked in in, you know, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Um, and it was a very unpleasant experience. Dying part was really easy. Oh, I mean, okay. you don't really do anything, right, yeah. <laughs> you know. There you go. Um, but the coming back to life, your body trying to restart every process that's going on, you know, the millions of processes, that was incredibly difficult and painful. So, And can you now tell us what the term is for your type of, um, I guess, card? is it a cardiac event you're having? It is. It's, uh, I have a, a condition called severe onset heart block. Oh. So... I'm surprised you didn't learn that in your Google medical degree. Well, I said I'm 12 years away still. When I'm a little closer oh. to that fake that medical that fake that medical degree, maybe I'll know about mm -hmm. this. But I'm putting it in my uh, patient notes here. You're protected by HIPAA, mm -hmm. and I'm going to study up on it. Okay, so um, some of your audience might be familiar with what's called a heart block or an AV block. Yeah, and basically the electrical in the heart system starts to to fail um and in men this generally happens in your 70s mid 70s so one of the problems they had diagnosing this with me is i wasn't a man in my 70s or mid 70s yeah. so they kept trying to prove i was having a heart attack but you know they look at me you know middle-aged white guy fat doesn't eat well um, must be having a heart attack. But, you know, after the 15th time you've seen me in the hospital and I'm not showing the enzymes that you get right. when you have that, a heart attack. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Um, you might want to think about maybe exploring something else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, that didn't happen for uh, a number of other episodes. So, combination of the doctors and i'm not bashing the doctors or the medical system no. just the way it is um you know not moving off their spot and not looking for alternate reasons this is happening to me 
caused me uh, a lot of trauma and PTSD and concussions and post-concussion syndrome and that sort of thing. Also, the, the onset of the heart block came so swiftly that they, they also wouldn't have looked for that. So usually it happens over a number of years and you start to establish a trend or a pattern. With me, it was just like, boom, it hit and then it kept hitting. And hitting again. Now, have you had these episodes since 2009? Uh, yes, because their cure for this was to give me a pacemaker. And uh, we suspect something happened in the surgery uh, when they were installing the pacemaker, and which led to some further complications. So in the summer of 2013, I started having these, we'll just call them syncopes again. Yeah. You know, my heart was stopping because I'm 100% dependent on the pacemaker. My heart generates no electricity on its own anymore. Wow. So if the pacemaker stops, I stop. So this started happening again. I'd be out riding my bike and, you know, I'd, I'd uh, get so out of breath and get off my bike. Sometimes I didn't make it off my bike. Sometimes I just fell and ended up in the hospital a number of times after dying again a whole number of times. And again, the doctors had a really hard time figuring out what was going on because the last thing they were thinking of was that the pacemaker wasn't working. But that's what it was. The infallible pacemaker failed. So um, they think something happened in that first surgery that damaged one of the pacemaker wires or leads, as they're called. The leads right. are the wire that goes from the make pacemaker to your heart and sends the artificial electrical pulse. So um, that was eye-opening. And uh, so they went to replace that. And... Uh, Something happened during the surgery, and I coded on the table again, uh, which was a whole bunch of insanity. So they had to put in a temporary pacemaker, uh, and they, at the time, I don't know if it's still that way, they did it through your femoral artery. Right. So while they were scrambling to find a temporary pacemaker and a lead to use to install that, um, nobody thought to sterilize me, um, <laughs> and put in any antiseptic. Oh my. So, uh, that yeah. didn't end well. So that was an infection. No. Did you get sepsis? Uh, fortunately I didn't, but you know, it's incredible pain when they just, you know, slice open your groin to, you know, um, so I was on full bed rest to the point where um, they were so unsure how anchored this temporary pacemaker was, I was literally not allowed to roll over, to get out of bed, to go to the washroom. Like I was flat out wow. for, the, I forget, the seven to ten days until they were sure I didn't have sepsis. Um, I guess for your audience, that's like a body-wide infection. Oh, it's, and, yeah. That, that's the term, antiseptic, to yeah. keep you from getting septic or sepsis is the condition that will 
you'll die. I mean, it, it's a body-wide mm-hmm. infection. Um, so they didn't think to replace your heart. You weren't a candidate for heart. No, because get a new heart. You know, they probably by now they do about a million pacemakers a year for various conditions. Yeah, and this is the the go to. There was structurally uh, and physically there was nothing wrong with my heart beside the fact that it wasn't generating electrical signals anymore. So they had the fix. So you know, there was. That's no need like to- saying, wait a minute. That's like saying there's nothing wrong with the sun, except it's not generating heat. I mean, your heart mm-hmm. needs to have the part of heart. The, part of the arrangement I have with my ticker is that it does its job and I do mine and and we mm-hmm. work in tandem and everything works great. But elect the electricity from it is what I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I guess I didn't pay my bill on time. <laughs> I'm not right. sure. Clearly. Uh, I was cut off. But also, traditionally, they knew that the pacemaker is supposed to not cure the condition, but, you know, compensate for the condition, and it does it very well. I mean, these pacemakers now, the the software in them is just off the yeah. charts. They're, yeah. You know, they're more powerful than the, the jet fighters from the uh, Gulf War. Wow. So, uh, unfortunately, they're not wireless recharging, but... Uh, <laughs> You could just stand so against the wall, out. right? Stand yeah. against the wall and go plug in. Okay. So now we're going to talk about your other health journey, but did you see the light? Did Did you see mama and daddy and all that? Well, I wouldn't have seen mama and daddy because they were still alive. They're still around. Okay. So any, anybody <laughs> that's gone to the sweet by and by to their great reward, did, did you, did you do any of that? Um, not really. You know, to be honest, I feel kind of ripped off. I know. I want because, my money back. I mean, I would ask yeah. for a refund. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, you hear these stories and in the book I, I'm writing, I, I talk about some famous incidences of people who did the come to the light stuff. Um, and I don't dispute that they saw these yeah. things. Yeah. Um, I just didn't. It was like black. And then coming back to life. So I do feel very ripped off. Yeah. Well, I hope you get really rich when you write your book. What's your book title going to be? Do you have it? I can write it down. Uh, The Summer I Died 20 Times. Well, there's no other title right currently on the the bestseller charts with that title. (laughs) Oh, from your lips to God's ears. (laughs) Right. All right. Now let's talk about... What was your health then and what have you done? We're in 2023 now, 14 years later. What have you done to turn it around? Well, in uh, I was trying to do the traditional diets and, you know, diet and exercise, calories in, calories out. Yeah. And right. I was even seeing a, a bariatric specialist at the time. Oh, um, okay. I wasn't a candidate for um, any sort of stomach surgery because of all the wiring I have inside me now. Right. And, uh, but you know, he was still track your food and, you know, track your exercise and, you know, somehow that'll make him a miracle, but he didn't (laughs) attack any of the underlying causes of why I was overweight. Hey, Hey Fred, it never does. Yeah. Just going to say it. So, so I like the doctor. We got along very, very well. Um, but you know, 
ultimately he he didn't help me so but another of my doctors did um in february of 2018 i went to see my cardiologist um and uh i'm in the exam room and he comes in and he literally throws a book at me and he says buy this read this do this you canadians are a little more forthright than we sweet southerners we would at least offer some sweet tea and a cookie and say here's a book we wouldn't throw the book at you no he he didn't apologize either as you know (laughs) as we do in canada we apologize (laughs) for everything so um he said you know buy this, read this, do this. Uh, once we talk to all your other doctors to see if they buy into this and, you know, you have to adjust medications and stuff like that. And that, that book was the obesity code by Dr. Jason Fung. Right there in your hometown. Yeah. So he's, he's uh, a Toronto native or a resident anyway. Yeah. And a number of my doctors have either, you know, gone to school with them. One of them was his neighbor growing up. Is that right? That's great. So, um, I could access him if I want, but I wanted yeah. to see what I could do on my own. Yeah. So it took a, I don't understand in these days of, you know, you can text people. Doctors still insist on writing letters to other <laughs> doctors and going through this whole well, chain of command. Let me tell you why. They have lawyers. <laughs> yeah. And their lawyer likes to see, the lawyer doesn't want to have to subpoena your phone, because, you know, your phone records could be under your First Amendment right protection. But a, mm-hmm. once a letter goes to the U.S. mail, then it's it's kind of out there for the world to see. Mm-hmm. So it took until mid-April for my five core doctors to swap letters back and forth and say, yeah, go for it. But uh, start intermittent fasting on a very reduced schedule. So... I started 12-12. Okay. And so 12 hours of fasting and then 12 hours of eating. Um, actually, not 12 hours. Of potential to eat. Okay. Got it. <laughs> you don't eat for the full 12 hours. Right. Um, so uh, I tried that. And before I knew it, um, I was doing well. And um, except something happened. So I started in April and then something happened and my memory goes blank every so often. So this is a dramatic pause. Okay. Um, I'll wait. I'm coming home from visiting some friends and I collapse. Fred, did and you try thought, to die again? You're being a spoiler. Well, well, here's what I want to say. If you die on my podcast, I know this, we'll be on the Today Show tomorrow. It would make the news is my point. Do you want to go viral? No. I can like. Not not so that, no. (laughs) Not not so that you RIP, no. I need you to live and get through this entire interview so I can see what's happened in your life. Okay. So I, I initially thought that Something was happening to me because of the intermittent fasting. I was two or three weeks in. Oh. And, you know, I don't know exactly what's going to happen to my body through intermittent fasting. And I just, you know, said, oh, this is just some weird consequence of the intermittent fasting. And uh, I I walked the rest of the way home and nothing happened. 
But then it started repeating itself again and again and again. And again, the doctors were perplexed. So I, you know, I get these cardiologists coming in and all these student doctors coming in to look at me but not know what they're looking at. And eventually one of the uh, other cardiologists came in and uh, he just put his hand on the pacemaker and he moved it slightly and I coded right in front of them. So the pacemaker malfunctioned again. Wow. With just the human touch. Yeah. So apparently the, you know, the damage to the lead that they had replaced in 2013, uh, we eventually found out that my vein had collapsed. So they, they thread these through. So the guess is that the constriction of the vein combined with some bizarre movement I made, and I didn't realize your veins and stuff move when you move, yeah. um, probably cracked the insulation on the lead. Wow. So it was shorting out. So they figured this out and said, we got to get that sucker out of there. So the, the pacemaker was already four or five years old at that point. And uh, so the battery was wearing down. It was wearing down more quickly because it kept shorting out. So they, uh, they decided they were just going to put in an entire new pacemaker and two new leads and take this one out, shut it off, and good riddance. So that was the plan. And uh, this should have taken like 45 minutes. And it took uh, three, four hours. <laughs> because they couldn't fully install the new pacemaker. So they had to jerry-rig a system that the new pacemaker, where they only had one lead installed, was going to be a backup to the malfunctioning pacemaker. And it would kick in when the malfunctioning pacemaker malfunctioned. But it's not an exact science. So when this one would malfunction, the one on my left side, um, sometimes it would take, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds for the new pacemaker to realize, oh, it is malfunctioning. I better start working. So I had a whole bunch of these uh, episodes and some minor collapses and things of that nature. And I became, I believe, one of eight people in the world that had two simultaneously functioning pacemakers. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. What a crazy story. So where are you now in your health journey? I'm doing pretty good. I actually just had a another pacemaker surgery about two months ago, almost two months ago. Uh, and they took out the original and swapped it out for, um, for a new one with a new battery and things like that. Um, this was a four hour surgery that I was awake for. And, uh, and it's just crazy because, you know, the doctor's plan for, you know, contingencies A through J 
but of course T U and V showed up. Wow. And uh my surgeon, you know, is on the phone with mentors around the world uh in the middle of the surgery and I'm listening to all this. And the woman that's running the pacemaker desk is on the phone with, you know, the software engineers from the pacemaker company. It's just, you know, it's beyond surreal. And uh, so I seem to be doing okay. Well, you look fine. So that Thank was you. 2018. Only fine? Well, you look like you're going to live. Yeah. That's what I need you to do. I, I need you about another 30 minutes. That's all. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> plow through this. Um, then in all honesty, you started mm-hmm. intermittent fasting. Were you in the obese category at that time? Oh, yes, Definitely. Uh, at one point in my life, probably in the early 2000s, I was about 340 pounds. Um, now, I'm, I don't know because I don't weigh. I'm in the Jim Stevens camp. Right. Um, I understand. I'm probably, I don't know, 230-ish, plus or minus. So over 100 pounds you've lost. Yeah. Um, how tall a man are you? Um, on my driver's license or in real life? Well, like the NBA, they always have one height, but they really are. You tell me your driver's yeah. license height. That's fine for my. I'm um, five foot seven. Okay, so I guess you would like to lose some more weight on a scale, but more than that, you want to get your health. Because we, as Jen says, we come for the weight loss, but we stay for the health benefits. So you probably mm-hmm. want to reap more health benefits, and that's why you. Yes. I, I assume you continue to fast. Yes, and I've seen a lot of health benefits. And even though I've gone through a number of surgeries, which sets you back, your body gets traumatized and everything. So I've had to start and restart uh, a number of times. I know the fasting's still working, even though I'm not losing weight. And uh, that's because I've got, you know, so many of these non-scale victories. And, um, you know, for example, my sleep apnea went away. Right. You know, and my respirologist says, we just don't see that. Even when people lose a lot of weight, they still don't have, get have rid of their sleep apnea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't. And I actually just, you know, on, on your phone now, you have all these apps for mm-hmm. wellness and stuff like that. Um, I looked at my wellness numbers the other night and, uh, I slept four hours, woke up, slept another four hours. It heard me snore once. That's like, impressive. That's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, because it was probably a night of snoring, interrupted REM sleep, because that's the risk, which also has a cardiac benefit to it. We know mm-hmm. that if we're not getting restorative sleep at night and we have, we're not getting the REM sleep we need, restorative sleep, through sleep apnea, then that can affect our cardiac health and our, I mean, just your physical health, your mental health. I mean, all these other things because sleep is so valuable. Mm -hmm. Therefore you sleep well at night now you're saying. Yes. And you know, sleep is one of those topics where the experts will say, you know, you need eight hours, you need nine hours. But if there's anything I've learned from intermittent fasting is we're all in in an experiment of one. Mm -hmm. And what the doctors tend to give us is standardized measurements. So person A might in fact need eight or nine hours. Person B can be totally fine on five hours. You know, so 
people shouldn't freak out if they're not getting the prescribed eight or nine hours. If you're feeling good, you're feeling good. You're getting enough sleep. What do you think your sweet spot is then? I'm, depending on what's going on, uh, I'm six to eight hours. Yeah. And if I have, you know, some days when I need a little extra sleep, my body will let me sleep a little longer. And I go with that schedule. Now we talk about non-scale victories. Obviously you, you've had scale victories though, of over a hundred, 110 pounds, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't know what it is now. Cause you know, you, it, it's a lesson. I think and a lot of us need to learn that, that whatever that box is on the floor in your bathroom that you step on, that screams at you and tells you a number. For some reason we define ourselves by that number when in fact your skin tags may be gone or your non-fatty mm-hmm. liver disease might've been re- reversed that's more important to me than a number on a scale, but we've been so scale oriented and it's part of it too. I've talked to a physician about this. We get to the doctor's office. What's the first thing they do? Get you on that scale. And you want to apologize. You, you know, women will take off their jewelry, their earrings, their false eyelashes, anything, you know, to drop a, let me go poop one more time. And and it's so silly. The doctor doesn't even, it's not like he's in, in their, talking about your number on the page. It's just, a, it's data. It really is just data. And Jen mm-hmm. Stevens has really explained that to me and impressed that to, I think her followers is it just shows you if there's improvement, but she doesn't keep that data anymore and you don't either. No, and she had somebody on the podcast recently. So this is, you know, uh, I'm probably 12 or 15 episodes behind so um, I apologize. I forget the, the woman's name, but she said, I'm not, I'm not defined by a tag inside my clothes and what that that's, number says on the tag. That's I thought that was just brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's very good because we are looking at the health benefits. So tell me some things that you continue to benefit. What, what is your eating, your fasting and feasting schedule now? I'm generally 24. Yeah. Um, I go through periods of time uh, when I'm not dying and having surgeries that I'll try and do the mealless Mondays and Uh mealless Thursdays. Uh Um, So, you know, I'll do 38s or 40s, including a surgery once I did a 92. So, (laughs) okay. Is 92 five days? No, four days. Something like that. So I, I did my, I decided to do a 36 hour fast before one of my surgeries. Cause I figured I'm going to be asleep. So, right. Right. Um, and then I forgot about the whole, you get intubated and all that. And it just sort of extended and extended. And yeah. then, uh, you know, you get the barfs and you just don't feel like eating for a couple of yeah. days. So, yeah. So you uh, react then from your procedures. Uh, this one incident for sure. Um, I also forget that after the surgery, you know, you, you do a lot less movement and your body forgets how to fast. At least mine does very quickly. And you're, you know, you think two weeks ago I could go for a, you know, 40 minute bike ride yeah, and, uh, no big deal. And then all of a sudden you can't do a 40 minute bike ride. <laughs> 
Last month, I embarked on a gluten-free commitment. Now, I know I talk big because a lot of times I'll go, I'm gluten-free. But it really wasn't always, you know, every day in and day out gluten-free. But I have been now. And I'm telling you, that really limits your choices for dining. Because at home, you can control it unless you go to Jess's Chicken. Jess's Chicken has, they'll they'll show you the gluten-free options. The chicken salads faux show are. Now, of course, you can't have the bread, but when you're gluten-free, you know that. You, you know you go most places and you can't have the bread. That's fine. They even have dairy-free options. That's another thing I'm trying to make a commitment to, to settle down my immune system. It is harder, but I know when I go to Jess's Chicken, I can get things that are either dairy-free or gluten-free. So if you have anyone dealing with sensitivities, allergies, and immune flare-up, trust me on this one. You can go to Jess's Chicken. Plus, when you read the reviews at Jess's Chicken, you see that this person said, so the food is excellent, but what really jumps out is the staff. Not many places you go and the people are smiling, jovial, and appear happy when they don't know that you're looking. Speaks highly of the business as a whole. Great every time. Guys, the Bubba's family trains these people like they are their own kids. And trust me, they've got a bunch of kids. They know what's invested in raising these fine young people to become delightful adults. So every time you go, you should have an outstanding encounter at Jess's Chicken, jesschicken.com. Hi, friends. I want to take a moment just to introduce you to something that I offer my listeners, my friends, my followers, and that is an online course where you can start fasting today. Yes, I do love me some intermittent fasting. I am a certified health coach and I began fasting in 2017. It totally changed my life. It changed the way not only that I look at food and nourishment nutrition, but I take less thyroid medicine. Some autoimmune diseases have been reversed. It's really the magic of fasting. But sometimes people just need a coach or a partner. But, you know, it may be cost prohibitive to hire someone like me by the hour. Well, do my online course. My online course, lisafishersaid.com slash academy. Right now for an introductory price is $49.97. You can start fasting today. The first video in that series is free. So go ahead and check that out. But I want you to get healthy and you can do it affordably. And then I'll save you money in the long run because you buy less food. <laughs> it's a great thing. I love fasting. I bet you will too. LisaFisherSaid.com slash Academy. Well, we can talk yep. about cortisol's effect at that point. We produce mm-hmm. cortisol in our fight or flight and fa- you're facing a giant every time you go under. And it's a protective measure from your body to produce more cortisol. The more cortisol we push out, the less insulin sensitive we are, meaning we become insulin resistant over no fault of our own. There's nothing (laughs) you didn't, because we know calories don't matter, but you didn't have another drop of insulin for the day than you did (laughs) maybe six months ago, but you reacted differently because of the stress on your body. So you have a lot of stress in (laughs) fighting. It's a chronic illness that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, when this first happened in 2009, one of the first things they realized in the emergency room was I was type 2 diabetic. So and my numbers were really high. So they were 23 Canadian, which is north of 400 in the U.S. measures. For glucose? Yeah. So basically oh. I had like molasses and yes. I had no idea. Yes. Now, wow. having gone through all this history and everything, I think it's pretty apparent that 
you know, my mom was gestationally diabetic yeah. uh, when I was born. And I've probably been some level of diabetic all my life. It's just never got picked up. Yeah. So until it did. So I've re- reversed my type two. Praise the Lord. So That's great. I, I was on insulin. No longer. Well, now we know, you know, Dr. Bickman says in his book, Why We Get Sick, and Dr. Mark Mark Mm -hmm. Hyman both say giving a type 2 diabetic insulin is like giving an alcoholic a beer to solve his problems. It's the last thing, and this is not medical advice my attorney wanted me to tell you, but it is Mm -hmm. the last thing a type 2 diabetic needs is more of the stuff that's causing them to store fat because insulin is a fat-storing hormone. Mm-hmm. And and once you understand the science, then you kind of think it does make us skeptical of the medical system, which we know isn't a healthcare system; it's a sick care system. Mm-hmm. It's they're making us fatter and sicker, and more cardiac problems or more whatever you know their problems are. So, you being off insulin, you probably feel better. Oh, for sure. Um, when I've been in the hospital, I'm amazed at the quality or lack of quality of food that's what i've heard and it's it's just amazing when i was seeing my endocrinologist on a regular basis and going to the diabetes clinic the dietitians are saying well you need to have like 45 grams of carbs with every meal don't you realize that carbs are my problem yeah that absolutely shocks me and i understand big food and big pharma are embedded together because, you know, in the U.S., we had a White House counsel on health recently that told us to eat Fruit Loops, that Fruit Loops were... I saw that. Yeah. And that, so the diet I eat, I eat beef, butter, bacon, and eggs. My diet, mm-hmm. they were the bottom, Fred, of the scale. And I am the lowest number on my scale because I eat like that. And I have the lowest fasting insulin my provider's ever seen because mm-hmm. I it's pretty much a carb free diet, you know, except Mm -hmm. for I might have a sweet potato with something. I'm I'm not against them, but I don't eat packaged foods. So the top of our list to recommend to people were more packaged foods. Well, who could have influenced that? Oh, would general Mm -hmm. mills maybe have given money to some lawmaker? Oh, okay. Let me think, you know, but you just have to follow the money. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Ivor Cummings? Yes. He's an Irish podcaster, yes. the yes. fat emperor. Is, oh, that's and, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has an interview. Um, I don't know. It might be the 20th podcast he did where he interviews a South African orthopedist and, and his wife. I guess they're sort of a team. And it's a little bit of a conspiracy theory about how a certain – religion has influenced our uh, food pyramids. And if what they're saying is true, it's just mind-blowing about how they've taken over the dietetics world. They actually started the dietetics industry and they invest in, you know, ConAgra and Coke and Pepsi and stuff like that. It's, uh, well, it's well, well worth a listen. Spill the tea. What religion would that be? I believe it's the Seventh-day Adventists. Well, yes. Now, that's true because they are vegans, 
and they have the Institute in Southern California that, and I have heard some of that, that they do have a lot of influence on the foods we eat and peddling that philosophy, which I eat the opposite because mm-hmm. truthfully vegetables bother me because they're inflammatory agents or oxalates and other things. Mm-hmm. So um, I have heard some of that, but I am going to look further into that because I do love <laughs> twirling my mustache. I do love a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you're familiar with uh, hospitals around the world and the Advent, it, those are all owned by the Seventh-day Adventists. Got it. So, wow. Because they're, I think their big research lab is in Loma Linda, California, which is Southern California. And so they have sponsored a lot of studies and we all know, I will, I think we can all agree to this, getting off a standard American diet or Western diet, because I'm sure in Canada you have the influence too of packaged foods. Mm -hmm. And so when a vegan, when a person does eliminate those things from their diet, they do feel better. Because we know mm-hmm. packaged foods or seed oils, especially, um, oh, are, are inflaming us, right? They're um, high linoleic acid and high omega-6. I mean, just if you want to Google it, you can look at, I mean, you'll go down a rabbit hole that you may not come up for air because you will mm-hmm. see the infiltration of these things. So I do agree that when somebody switches over, they say they feel great. But if you talk to the Dave Asprey's of the world, uh, former vegans, the Paul Saladinos, the former vegan, uh, I'm just thinking of names in the health space, thought mm-hmm. leaders. They felt good until they didn't. Mm-hmm. And Dave Asprey said he was, you know, he was the sickest he's ever been. Sal- Dr. Saladino with his was psoriasis and some other autoimmune conditions when he switched to a meat-based diet. So my mm-hmm. meat-based diet is, you know, I'd say about 80% meat. And then 20%, I have rice in my diet. I have, oh, bone broth is from an animal. But what for me, again, uh, this is what a lot of people say to me because I do health coaching and I do group health coaching. I do one-on-one. They go, are you going to make me eat your meat-based diet? I go, well, I don't care what you eat. I, I that It's not my job to police mm-hmm. what you put on your fork. But if you come to me in a few months and say, I'm having this nagging blank, then I would say, well, eliminate what you're eating and start with the basics, you know, if you can eliminate the major offenders, which are soy, corn, dairy, gluten, wheat, sugar, and alcohol, mm-hmm. I mean, which is pretty much what everybody eats every day, you do mm-hmm. feel better. So I definitely agree with that. So in light of that, what kind of diet works best for you? Um, primarily, you know, carnivorous. I still eat yeah. vegetables and fruit. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I still but- eat some fruit. I, I find I need a good dose of protein and the veg- vegetable protein just doesn't seem to, to fuel me. And when I'm working out more uh, or going to the gym on a regular basis as opposed to just walking and riding my bike, my need for protein goes up. That's just the way my system works. Yours might think- work differently. I think everybody's system, the more I do the research, the more the intel says you've got to, you've got to have protein Mm -hmm. and fat. So we know Dr. Fung so beautifully explains the role of cholecystokinin and peptide YY, which are two 
um, part of our satiety signals. Leptin is chief, you know, the boss of our satiety signals. But those mm-hmm. two don't fire unless you have fat and protein. Right. So and- a vegetarian, a, not even a vegan, a vegetarian would have to just eat, I guess, avocados would classify as fat and protein. But there aren't a lot of things that could really give them the ability. That's why they feel hungry. They'll say, yeah, I'm doing low fat or I'm doing vegetarian. And I I have a client right now who says, but I just can't get that signal you keep talking about, Lisa. I don't feel the fullness signal. Well, tell me what you eat. Salads, um, some beans. And I went, well, because you haven't told me anything that would tell the signal to fire. Yeah. And, you know, the fats are the precursors to so many of our hormones. Oh, for Um, sure. You know, and our cholesterols are built off fats. We do need fats because we need our cholesterols to transport things around in our body. Um, if you don't have the right levels of fats, your testosterone's not going to generate, and your whole pituitary thyroid feedback system is not going to fire. So, now is that a Western model or an American model? The heart health hypothesis and. You know, I love it when that's what people tell me. I've got my cholesterol under 200. I go, oh, I bet your testosterone's low. They're, if it's a man, he goes, well, how do you know? And I went, well, you just told me. You you just gave me the missing link to everything. You you have to have your cholesterol up. So is that an American model or does, do Canadian doctors also practice the fallacy that you need low cholesterol? They want your LDL low. Um, but... Again, going back to Ivor Cummings, who, who's primarily a heart health advocate. Yes. And, um, you know, he has all sorts of guests that, unfortunately, I can't name. But they talk about how they're finding all sorts of new subcategories of cholesterols. And they don't know which ones are actually important. And they do find people with, you know, uh, low levels of the low densities and uh, they're still getting plaques because they're measuring the wrong things in the wrong ratios, just right. like they should be measuring your fasting insulin. Right. But they measure your HA1C. Right. Well, don't you think part of that is they're chasing after a drug to write? If your H, your hemoglobin A1C is in the U S over 5.7, I believe. And then mm-hmm. um, blood glucose. If those rise, then they can get out the prescription pad and start mm-hmm. saying, here's your metformin, here's your blah, 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 here's your blah, blah, blah. But with fasting insulin, the only way to really cure it, it's not with a drug, it's with fasting. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. so they, I always say they don't win the trip to Cabo if, you know, you just, if you just lowered your fasting insulin on your own. Don't you feel like then that part of it is, again, a follow the money, that there is money at the end of the rainbow here for them? Yeah. Um, It's not as bad in Canada as it is in the U.S. Oh, it's Um, bad here. The the thing that I seem to notice is if the doctor can't see something on a test they've run, your, your malady doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Most of the tests they run seem to trail back to, is there something we can prescribe for this condition? Exactly. 
Exactly. So do you know where your fasting insulin started? Because they weren't measuring it. You know, you have to practically beg and give a kidney to get them to test your fasting insulin sometimes. But do you know where you're started or where it is now? No, I've never ha- been able to get that measured. So, uh, Because you're a part of a national healthcare system, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That does limit your ability to access or to ask for certain tests. But even in the U.S., because of uh, healthcare insurance, a lot of people say, well, my my provider won't order it because my insurance won't cover it. And mm-hmm. I think it's, I've heard it's 10 or $12 in the U S to run that test, mm-hmm. but it's a prescription to get in the U S to get your lab work ordered. So someone has to order someone with n- letters at the end of their name, just not just integrative nutritional health coaches. So I can't, but it's mm-hmm. a fascinating number to see because it will show it will show the person who maybe will say, I can't lose weight. Well, let's look at your fasting insulin. Well, it's 20. Oh, well, that's why you can't lose weight. Your fasting. Mm-hmm. In- Once your fasting insulin comes down, weight stays off typically. And I guess I could get that number back up if I started eating all day again. Because I was a good all day eater for years because mm-hmm. who told me? My healthcare provider. Right. When I saw my endocrinologist, yeah, that's right. When I saw my endocrinologist for um, hypothyroidism, because that is a cause of weight gain. Those Mm -hmm. were my 15 pounds that I was saying, I I don't know, nothing. I haven't changed anything. Yeah. I mean, you feel like you were in the great inquisition and your right hand is raised and you're swearing. I'm not Mm -hmm. eating Cheetos and Oreos all day, but nothing has changed. Well, just eat five small meals. Mm-hmm. Were you told that? Uh, yes, of course. And you so did it? Fives. Yeah. And it did pretty much nothing for me because it's not the right formula. So, you know, getting all. your fasting insulin down does so many, causes so many dominoes to fall in your body. And I'm guessing you know who Tim Spector is. Yes, of course. So he's fabulous. It's a great account to follow. There's, he has a counterpart in Israel and I hope I get his name right. I think it's Iran Ilanovich. Okay. So he's also like, you know, he and Tim are one and one a in the gut health. Okay. And I'm pretty sure I heard him um, comment on how getting your fasting insulin down um, and gets starts initiating the healing of the leaky gut and oh, reorganizing and reorganizing your gut biome. And the um, when your gut biome is out of whack, those trillions of little bacteria and some weird viruses that lurk down there, um, they have a memory. And if you yo-yo diet, they send signals to your body to tell you, hey, we don't want you in this state of starvation anymore. So we're going to help you get your weight back. Plus, you know, <laughs> a little bit. Thank you very much. Those little much. buggers, yeah. for the, all the amazing stuff they do, they run your body. Yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts. And if you don't take the steps to 
to get them in order, you know, get that right ratio of good bacteria to bad bacteria, nothing's really going to work for you with any sustainability. Even though you don't know you're fasting insulin, you still know that's your goal to get it down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's great. I do that every day just by fasting, by doing nothing. Isn't that the truth? And that's what I think is what is a deterrent for our healthcare system is that nobody's getting rich off fasting Mm -hmm. because it doesn't cost anything. Now, if you want to partner with somebody or you want to buy the books, great, but nobody's really, you know, typically they're not getting rich from that. If they have, it's because they've unearthed some wisdom that is very palatable. And Mm -hmm. that's why we buy the book. That's why I say Dr. Fung's books and Dr. Fung, for those we, we mentioned him earlier, being in Toronto, Canada, um, and he is a nephrologist, so not an endocrinologist, a nephrologist who works with kidney disease. Well, a lot of type 2 diabetics, as you know, have end-stage renal disease, which would put him in Dr. Fung's office. And he just said for years he couldn't figure out why the calories in, calories model wasn't working and why Mm -hmm. the five small meals was backfiring. You know, he, he's the one who really, and I know there were others, there was Dr. Michael Mosley in the BBC in uh, mm-hmm. the UK. Um, actually, Dr. Bert Herring said this in 2005 or six. He wrote the five-hour yeah. diet. He was an early, you know, voice, I mean, in the wilderness where they thought he was mm-hmm. nuts. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of fringe because they had their own, they had their own platform, but Dr. Fung started bringing it into other medical doctors. Like in your Toronto community, you are so fortunate that you had somebody that could throw the, literally throw the book at you mm-hmm. to save your life. Because here in the U.S., a lot of doctors, I still have clients that say they're, I have a cardiac patient right now. She's had a heart attack. She started fasting with me. She lost eight pounds in eight weeks, which is about right. And when her cardiologist or the nurse said, so what are you doing? She goes, I'm fasting. She, she was putting her on the scale because she goes once a week for cardiac rehab. The nurse said, you can't do that. She's like, what do you mean I can't do that? She goes, you have to eat low fat, less meat, and eat five times a day. And so yeah. my client's smart enough to go, gotcha. And she goes home and fasts. Mm-hmm. But that's how we have to do that here sometimes because we don't have a Dr. Fung that's leading the way. So I have five primary care physicians right now. All of them have been to uh, seminars with Dr. Fung. Wow. The cardiology team at my primary hospital, my regional hospital, um, all propose intermittent fasting to their patients. One of them went so far as to tell me after I had COVID that if I hadn't been intermittent fasting, I'd likely be dead. I agree. And he's also the one that said um, intermittent fasting is the most powerful non-medicinal tool we have in our arsenal. You just gave me chills because it's true. Mm -hmm. It is the most powerful thing we can do. 
And even not on a weight loss scale, just taming our metabolic health. Because again, as we get older, we also produce more cortisol for mm-hmm. no fault of our own other than aging. Aging produces yeah. more cortisol. Once cortisol comes out, insulin sensitivity stops because insulin resistance begins. And then that's the, you know, you talked about the domino effect of the lower your fasting insulin, the domino effect of raising your cortisol, mm-hmm. which implicates your health in so many ways. So I, I, I shake my head, Fred, so many times when people say my doctor discourages fasting and I think, do they have, does he or she own a book where he or she could read the book about it or just read the, because, hey, we're all about trust the science, right? So I was invited to be on a podcast. It's a national podcast um, next week and to talk about intermittent fasting. And he said, can you bring a new twist to it? Because we've done this before. Oh. And I started talking about the non-scale benefits. Yeah. And he started, well, that's not such a new twist because, you know, lots of people can lose weight on a traditional diet and go off insulin. And I said, well, A, that's not true. And B, they don't get all the additional benefits. Like you'll never hear somebody go on a diet and say, my doctor told me I don't have sleep apnea anymore or all my joint pain has gone away. Or, or skin tags. Is, skin tags only skin fall tags. off if your fasting insulin comes down. Yeah. And just and he's like, what are you talking about? Huh. And I said, do you know who Jason Fung is? And this host is in Toronto. And he's like, no, who? Stop it. The, something happened. <laughs> COVID did something to his brain. He has the brain fog. Yeah. And he may be taking statins. So it makes you do crazy things. There is mm-hmm. no way he could be in Toronto and not know the father. I call him the father of intermittent fasting. I told Jen she's the mother of intermittent fasting, but they're not married. <laughs> yeah. Because his comes from a medical perspective. Hers is more of a layman's perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. So could you at least get him to Google Dr. Fung before you do your interview? I'm hoping he will. <laughs> you know, but I mean, um, Jen's writing a foreword to my book, actually. So is that thanks, right? Jen. That's great. Yeah, yeah. We're big I fans think, uh, of Jen. Mm-hmm. Big Me fan. too. And that whole family of people. I had a party last year, right when we were we were itching to get out, and so I had mm-hmm. Laurie Lewis here. Mm-hmm. I had um, Jen. I had an, another girl in uh, the Phoenix area. Um, mm-hmm. Star McEwen. She's great. I mean, I, um, mm-hmm. Amy Holcomb, I mean, just other people throughout the country mm-hmm. came to my home. So it was just so great for us to lock arms and to see everybody and to hear their stories. Cause you're right. The non-scale victories. I think the skin tag thing is amazing. One of my clients lost over a hundred pounds and he's still losing. He said he would take a bath at night. Um, mm-hmm. that's what he's a famous chef here in Arkansas. And I can tell a story. He's been on my podcast. Chef Jamie McAfee says he likes to take a bath at night. Cause he's in the kitchen. He lost a hundred pounds and he's in the kitchen all day of this. He's one of the top chefs in the state. Um, like 6am to sometimes 10pm at night, he's in and out of the kitchen. And so at 10 o'clock at night, he might go home, take a bath. And his wife tenderly loves on him and pour, draws the bath and puts the Epsom salt in. And she said, when he first started 
<laughs> fasting, when the water would drain, he left a ring, but it wasn't dirt. She said, I think your body is throwing off toxins every time you bathe. Because he said his skin tags were falling off. He goes, do you think those are skin tags? Around? I said, I don't know. But he said he, <laughs> would, he would literally see the toxins come out of his body. And that's another thing that intermittent fasting does. Yeah. And those Epsom salts are, they work wonders. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know anything about uh, the Jewish people and they eat kosher. I am and, of Jewish descent. Okay. Jewish father. So when they, when they kosher, go through the process of koshering the meat, they salt it. And the salt, like Epsom salt, it draws out the blood because you're not supposed to eat the blood. Right. But it also draws out all these toxins. So it's a great thing to do for yourself before you go to bed. And uh, Every day. I now have even found, because I'm trying to remove all artificial fragrances, toxins, and things that are mm -hmm. phthalates and things that are in products. So now we have a natural grocers in the U S which own, they don't sell anything with seed oils. They don't sell anything with artificial flavors or colorings. So now I've even found some Epsom salts because a lot of times they'll say natural flavoring. <laughs> and they say, be very wary of that. So now mm -hmm. I've even found some, or I use, I have essential oils I put in my bath anything. Cause I do, I mean, we all want to enjoy the therapeutic values of some of these things, but I don't want the fake stuff. So Epsom salts are amazing. And the magnesium, do you do the magnesium breakthrough no. by, by optimizer? No, I get my levels checked pretty regularly. So I'm in my normal ranges. So I don't supplement anything unless I find out that I really do need it. But um, you probably do salt all day. You probably have generously or you're not a miser when it comes to salting your foods because we know the benefits no. of salt. That's been another game changer too, or people realizing we want you to salt your foods with the good salt, not processed salts or processed, mm -hmm. as you say in Toronto, but of the good salts like Himalayan salt, Celtic sea salt. And I, I think I say both processed and processed. Oh, you do? Okay. I've heard Dr. Fung so. say processed. Mm -hmm. And I think everything he does is adorable. So, <laughs> Well, it's the autophagy versus autophagy. Yeah, that's true. How do you say it in Canada? I don't know how other people say it. I just call it autophagy. Yeah. But in the UK, they say autophagy, right? Probably, but they're wrong. <laughs> That's how I feel about so many things. I just, <laughs> I was going to keep my mouth shut, but I, I don't have to with you. Hey, Fred, <laughs> I'm glad you lived. Me too. Thank you. It's it's working well for you. Thank you for spreading the news of um, you can change your health without a bunch of prescriptions written. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. sure you have to take some now because you probably have like anti-rejection medications because of the pacemaker, right? Well, I, I still take... Uh a type of metformin and something else. I don't remember the yeah. brand name because it protects my kidneys from the damage that had already happened to it I before see. we knew it was happening. So it's more preventative. Well, you know, there's some science now that metformin. So in metformin, that's like over the counter, we get berberine, right? 
No, this here it's prescription. Okay. But berberine is something you get over the counter, which is similar to that. It's not identical because not prescription mm-hmm. strength. But now some people in the health field are telling people like me who don't need a prescription for it to do it because of the longevity benefits of metformin. Mm-hmm. So even people who are slim are taking metformin for longevity benefits. So you have the Lisa Fisher stamp of approval. Not that it matters. But I will uh, have to check with my doctor to make sure there's no um, antagonistic uh, issues with both the metformin. Well, you, yeah, you wouldn't need to, but I'm just saying for anybody listening, if they're thinking now, do I need metformin? You could take berberine over the, a lot of people are now saying, you know, just look it up. And this is what Mm -hmm. I tell people to look up, look up the terms functional medicine and berberine, because then you get it from a different perspective because we're looking at root cause and then we're looking mm-hmm. at the benefit, meaning we, I subscribe to that model of thinking. Mm-hmm. And then we also want to know what are the long-term benefits. So, but again, glad you lived. Thanks for being here. Go tell those people on that other podcast, introduce him, bring Dr. Fung in. Just say, huh, we have a special guest here for you today. <laughs> Dr. Jason. That Cole. would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Hey, thanks for being here. Good job. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com. Creative.com.